0: It's God first, other second, yourself third. The unique and cool thing about it is, if you have that perspective, it comes back around to benefit you.
1: I'm a national champ! i a national champ! a
2: national champ! Unbelievable! Iwo Hoops presents the pursuit. Go inside the locker room as Iwoo Hoops trades the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three.
3: Welcome to episode 5.14 of The Pursuit. I'm Jeff Clark, one of the basketball coaches in Indiana-Westland. In today's episode, you'll hear about individual growth from players as the season goes along. If I Am Third is the end game for the program, then seeing guys move along the line toward that life is what drives the coaches. In the first half, you'll hear from a group of players about how they were growing as the team moved into February. And in the second half, you'll hear Coach Tonegal talk about coaching paychecks and the reason why he loves to coach. We're joined now by Tanner Rubio, Tim Atitukasi, and Kyle Mangus. And and we're talking about this point in the season where we just see guys go to another level on the court, but also just how they grew as individuals. And I want to start with you, Tanner, because throughout this season, we've shared some of the highs and lows. Um, We've had different people talk about how well you were playing as the year went along. But why don't you just tell us, you get to the end of the year, What's the personal growth that you've experienced throughout the season that's allowing you to play the way you were playing on the
1: court?
4: Um, well, yeah, obviously, like, it was no secret that you started off really, really bad. <laughs> but, you know, as season we went along and we got deeper in the conference, um, I think the biggest thing was just being in an environment where you have teammates that actually believe in you and your ability, no matter if you're doing good or bad, and just being able to surrender, you know, whatever, ill you know, feelings I was having about myself or about other guys, and just being able to surrender that, I was able to play even more free as, I guess, as the season went along deeper in the conference, and I just remember, you know, points where I was on the court, I wasn't thinking about anybody or anything, I was just... And the only thing that came to mind was I'm having so much fun right now. (laughs) Like I couldn't even comprehend it. And it just felt like the games were happening so quick. And it was just, it wasn't real life. But I just remember just having the utmost joy as the season kept going along.
3: And and Kyle, I know playing alongside Tanner, you felt that. Because the team just went to another level. We, We scored over 100 points a game the last 10 games of the season as a teammate, and a guy walking alongside the Tanner in the locker room, what were you seeing from
4: him? Yeah, well, in the beginning, um, you know, it wasn't easy for Tanner. He was put in a tough spot uh, coming up from Florida, playing, playing down there for three years, and then coming up to Indiana where he didn't know anyone, didn't really know what it was going to be like. So he stepped into a difficult, you know, environment uh, in the beginning for him, and it was, it was a little tough. But throughout the season, and especially in the conference season, um, we just saw his confidence go up. And that was really on and off the court. Um, you know, he just—he really just opened up to us. And the main main thing I remember from Tanner is just how he was so vulnerable to us. He just shared, you know, his struggles and his successes on the court and off of it. And um, you know, when when he did that, that really started to you know help him on the court. And I just remember, especially like in the conference tournament, he was just the driving force for us. Just, I mean, dishing the guys, bringing the energy. Passion. So um, it was really cool to see how Tanner, you know, grew just, just in one year.
3: And Tim, I, I want to turn to you because I was just talking to one of our graduated seniors and, and they were sharing about what a transformation they saw in you and the way you were approaching the game as the year went along. So uh, why don't you just speak on that? How did you feel like you really grew uh, individually as this year went along?
1: Um, I just think maybe my freshman year, especially playing, you know, I think just – you just learned a lot through the first year of playing college basketball, and I think just the lessons started to hit me right and left. And at the beginning of the
3: season, I started to adjust, you know, kind of take them on and see how I can improve and just, you know, ran with them. And the season spoke for itself. You know, I had more fun as the season went along. So, yeah, I would and, just say that. And I, and I just say, one of the things I'd love to hear you talk on more, because you were put in a tough situation. You basically sat out the entire year before. Um, you go into the year, and Your your work ethic was never a question, but there was a point in the year where the concept of humility was just something you expect. I want to grow in this direction. So as you started to respond to adversity with humility, uh, it seemed like you found joy in the game again, maybe in a in a a, after a part of the season where it was hard for you to find fun. So talk a little bit about the role humility played in allowing you to, to go to that other level. I think it's. I think one thing, high school students, or just I think even maybe college players, when they go pro, is just understanding reality versus expectation.
1: And I think everyone has an expectation of how good they could be in a type of system. But then I think there's the idea of that what the reality might actually be compared to the expectation. And so I think it's quite a humbling experience to, start to understand where you truly are to where you think you are. And I think just Obviously, for many, I think for men, it's just kind of hard to sometimes get a reality check because you know it kind of bruises your pride. But I think I would, I definitely had some class around me that were able to love me through it and help me understand that this is only momentarily. We have this line concept that I we're not in a box for the rest of our lives. There's always a there's always a chance for growth. So I think once you get a reality check, you know you reestablish your thoughts. You understand where you want to grow.
3: And then you just go and live along that line. So I and, think definitely the guys around me helps with that. Yeah, and, and, and I think you were a living example of that because one of the things we saw, and, and what this senior said and what we felt was, you know, God's really gifted you to be able to bring energy into a room. And w- when you started with that foundation and said, here's one of the ways that I can bring something unique to this team, all of a sudden you'd go onto the core and the team would go to another level. Uh, and, and Kyle, really, that's, that's the point, right, is – when we become free of ourselves, we can now live into who God made us to be, and, and we can then bring the unique thing to the team. So, Kyle, why don't you speak about another player on the team you, you might have seen who you saw some of that growth in throughout the year?
4: Yeah, one that comes to mind to me is uh, Noah Smith, freshman. And um, it was really cool to see how he grew this year. Uh, I specific- specifically remember early, early in the year we challenged him to kind of get out of his comfort zone um, that was more of an introvert, and I can relate to that. So just get out of his comfort zone and pour into other guys. And, you know, show some enthusiasm out on the court. And one funny thing, um, it was over Christmas break um, that we had these guys do was every time they came, they walked into the gym, they would they would scream as loud as they could before they started <laughs> practice. <laughs> so it was yeah, it was obviously funny to see that, but you know, it just got the practice like started off on, on a good note, and um, you know, from there on, obviously. Noah had a huge impact on our season defensively and uh, and offensively he was, you know, kind of our, our anchor on defense, just locking guys up. So um, I think my favorite my favorite part about that is like every single practice, the three quietest guys on the team had to come in and like yell yeah. at the top of their buttons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, talk about getting outside your comfort zone, like that's just unheard of. Yeah, I, and I would say that Spencer, I mean, he looks
1: like the quietest guy, but when he yells, like, he fills the gym. <laughs> <And> <laughs> he really does. Lungs. <laughs> so,
3: Jim, why don't you talk about Spencer a little bit then? Because, you know, Kyle just brought him up, but he's another guy that really had some transformational growth as the year went along. It's crazy. I just think
1: everyone thought Spencer was going to be this quiet, you know, unnoticed freshman, but the boy made his – Boy majors, you know, he made a difference, you know, he had an impact in ways. I I just I loved seeing him grow from that reserved, quiet, kind of maybe passive character that he was into this confident, you know, aggressive even um player that we saw towards the end of the season. And I definitely think he, once again it comes back to the guys that he had around him. You know, Keenan was kind of his mentor throughout the season. And he just saw Spencer kind of grow into a man in the space of one season. I'm just excited because
3: the boy has, you know, heights that everyone else can see. And we just know he's going to live into it as time goes on. And Tim, I want to ask you about a specific moment with him because, you know, Spencer's a guy that lives in the gym. And in the first semester, he was defining himself based on his shooting. And he was shooting a horrible percentage. Well, all of a sudden he started focusing on other things and – that shooting percentage went up, so I want to take that moment. It was the end of end of a half. He gets yeah, a steal and he yeah, pulls up like, from about. <laughs> I I think you you about tackled him after he made that shot. What I mean, was going was through the goal, your mind? That was the goal. I, I obviously, I think. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was against Bessel, right? Um, yeah, it was. It was
1: against Bessel. It was end of the half. I think so. We on defense couple seconds left, he got clutch, there was a stop. And he thought like everyone, you know, at that time, you know, it's just a half, no one's taking it seriously. Out of nowhere comes this Indiana born Spencer, (laughs) was the ball, sprints down the court. The boy is quick. He has some quick feet. He sprints down the court, pulls up from the right wing. Everyone's like, wait, what? How did he get there so quickly? Everyone sees it coming, Everyone like, this is he what made me so happy, he had the biggest smile on his face after that not I don't think he cared about the show going in. It was the joy he had.
3: just He knew he was so passionate about playing with this team that he just wanted to work his golf every second. And just the smile, like the whole team raced at him. He just loved the passion that he had. I, he just deserved that moment. Well, Tim, I want to say if I remember right, you were about at the free throw line on the bench, and and the speed that you got to him on the baseline was faster than I saw you in any sprint the entire year. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> he has some quick feet, but might have quick? Don't get into you know. So I had to get to first. luck. speaking of great moments in, in this time of the season, you know, this is the uh, around the time of the year when Kyle set the all time scoring record. Um, and I really want to tell that story right now through the lens of Tanner as he experienced it, because Tanner was a big part of that record. So, Tanner, go back to that night and just share about what happened when Kyle broke the record. Well, uh, I think we talked about it a little bit in the last podcast
4: with uh, Trevor and Caden, and uh, I just remember it so vividly. It was like in the flow of the game, We were, I think we were dominating at this point, but I've you pulled me aside, and I'm like, oh, gosh, what did I do now? And, I I was, hey. and you, just come over, you just come over and say, hey, like, Kyle is six points away from the all-time scoring record. He's like, I don't want to give him the ball, the next four possessions, and to ISO him out, but let's see if we can get the ball to the flow of the offense. Look, you dead in your eyes. And say, yes, sir. You call the next day hey, for Kyle. To get the ball, <laughs> and he just basically just got out of the way. I told, I told he said, said, uh, do not, do not take the ball for Nako." <laughs> I was like, and so I called the next four plays for him. And lo and behold, he scores bucket after bucket after bucket. I wish you could go back to the broadcast and just see that whole exchange happen in a two-minute span.
3: So, so Kyle, you obviously. Uh or the recipient of that, but but that was a big moment. You know, in our program's history and small college basketball history, you know, Perry was there, the guy you passed. What was that moment like for you to to break that record?
4: It was really special, and to kind of, like, talk about what Tanner was saying, uh I didn't, I didn't like, know how far, or like, how close I was, and then someone told me when I was, like, four points away, and I could kind of tell, like, Tanner was trying to, like, give me the ball and stuff, and Seth was, like... Deliberately setting me like screens every time I got the ball, so it was, it was kind of funny. and One thing I will say is um, when I was two points away, um, it was the only only time in my life where I was like, "All right, I'm not I'm not gonna pass no matter what." I know these guys want me to shoot, so I'm just gonna shoot it. And uh, the shot I I shot kind of summed up my career. I feel like it was like an 18 foot floater that like hit the backboard and just kind of like died on the rim. So not the like the
3: Ever, but Uh <laughs> it got nah, it was the coolest thing ever. So there were zero um, pump fakes or shot fakes so it you were missing a little yeah, bit there. Yeah, that's true, but um it was it was really cool to receive receive the award from Perry especially cuz I know how that, how much that meant to Perry. He had talked to me about it um before and talked about it, you know, to the coaching staff just how much that would mean to him. Yeah,
4: and he had
3: the award, so. And Perry's one of those legends in our program. He still comes every game. He broadcasts. He is an I am third man. And he just kept saying, man, I'm so happy that someone like Kyle is breaking this record. And, and Kyle, in my mind, I just I just flash back to um, June of your freshman year. Um, and we're doing shell, and you're on offense, and you're pump-faking guys on offense, and they're jumping all over the place, and, and they're mad because – they're supposed to just jump to the ball, and you're you're pump faking, and then to go through your career three years later, and you have the record. What did it mean to just be, become such a part of the record book at Indiana Wesley and with the journey you'd been on, really all the way from from youth with your mom and dad, all the way through Warsaw with Coach Ogle, to now say you have a record like this? How meaningful is that for you?
4: Yeah, it's so meaningful. And to be honest, I you know I, I never would have thought it would happen, but I have to. Obviously, give the, the credit to my parents, but, um, you know, I'll definitely remember all, all my teammates every single year because those are the guys who helped me get the job done. If I didn't have those guys and if I didn't have the coaching staff, I mean, I wouldn't have any of those points. So, I mean, it, it all goes to them. I wish I could have played with Tanner for, like, every single year because he, he throws his dimes. and I mean, every guy plays a part in it, 1 through 14. So, um, I think that's what I'll, I'll remember the most
3: about it. Tim, I'm going to give you the last word to you because we talked a little bit earlier about humility, and and you know how Kyle uh, lives with such humility in his life. What is it about our program where those who live with humility really do go to other levels of growth? I think it really just comes back to that main like foundation of the whole program, just being that I think once you finally buy in. To the, to the main core of this program, which is just golf first, uh, the second, yourself third, uh, you just start to understand that this is so much bigger than basketball.
1: And when you step onto a court, knowing it's so much bigger than that, you, I, I feel it, it, there's a sense of freedom and a burden that drops from the back of some guys. There's a chain, there are chains that just unlock, and I think everybody just has a sense of freedom. And with freedom comf- comes confidence, and with confidence comes buckets. So, you know, at the end of the day, These guys are praising God off the court, having confidence on the court. I don't
3: know. I don't think there's any more you can really ask for. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Coach Tongo about some of the growth he was seeing during this time of the year. This podcast was created to take you behind the scenes of building an I Am Third culture in a basketball program. But IW Hoops believes this philosophy can translate to any context. As we enter this one-minute halftime, we want to let you hear from our sponsor, Insurance Management Group. Is building a culture of I am third in the insurance industry right here in Indiana. Here's IMG President Trent Daly. Pursuing the I am third lifestyle has helped me grow as a leader in all aspects of life. Putting God first, my colleagues and customers second, and myself third has impacted IMG in ways I couldn't have imagined. At IMG, we have a passion for people and helping them achieve their goals. We are not just an insurance agency, we are a culture and an experience you should expect more from your insurance agent. Visit us now at www.insmgt.com. Now back to the second half. We're joined again by Greg Tonigal And Coach, uh, we've been talking a lot throughout this season and past seasons about box versus lines. And today we're talking about individual growth in guys and how really as guys became unconscious, free of self, they went to new levels. Can you talk specifically about Michael Thompson and how you saw the, the concept of box versus line really lead and
0: spark his growth? Yeah, so Michael Thompson really, uh, to me, illustrates the power of, of the trajectory when, when somebody's on the line rather than you know putting them in the box. So we've talked about this before, but just you know, recap for the listeners. It's easy to construct our own expectations for other people by putting them in a box. And so we have expectations, especially as coaches. um, that if my players can check off these few things, then they're good and you know, they're going to fit into our program. And so sometimes those are, those are cultural things. Sometimes those are skill-related. Sometimes it's behavior-related. But the problem with that box is it, it, it restricts growth. It, it creates a wall. And players are either in or out of our box. And so what happens is when guys get on campus, if we have a box mentality and they're not in the box, we stop coaching them. We ignore them. We don't, uh, we don't have a vision for them. But rather than the box, you know, we've talked about uh, putting people on the line. And, and really it comes down to two factors. We don't care where they're at. We just ask them to be honest and being willing to move forward. So Michael's a really great example of that. Michael comes. He's from a different school. He's transferring, you know, early on. Maybe he doesn't fit in for a variety of factors. So rather than saying, hey, Michael's not in our box. Let's move on to the next guy. We just asked Michael the question, where are you at on the line and are you willing to move forward? And you can attest to this. Michael is a kid who loves to move forward. Yeah, it was it was special. Really one of the
3: highlights of the year was seeing his growth. Uh, and one of the unfortunate things about the national tournament, we really thought he might have gone to another level and had moments to step into new places,
0: but really has positioned himself to have a great senior season because of the way he's been moving along the line. I think Michael's going to have a big senior year, um, and I think he's going to help lead our team. I mean – right now Michael's leading our team in in some of these talks about race some of the the current events that we're experiencing and he's the right guy for it he's got a heart for it he's got a passion for it and honestly we've gone to Michael and said hey would you just teach us like what what aren't we seeing right now that that would better our leadership and and further our program. And we're really leaning upon Michael right now for, for what's going on in our country as relates to race relations and and the climate. So I'm excited for Michael to take us there. And I think that'll impact the way he's able to play on the court as well. And so much
3: of the credibility he has when he gets in front of us and, and the players is because of how he responded. He never made an excuse he never blamed anybody. He never complained. He just bought into his role and continued to move along the line, and now he's positioned for this this next level. Talk a little bit about what that's like as a coach and how much fulfillment that brings beyond just winning. You, I, I've heard you use the word coaching paychecks, both from, from past players and current players. Uh, what
0: it means to you to see that type of growth in a player over a season or over a lifetime. Yeah, so like using Michael as, a gazette, Michael as an example – you know, every once in a while you get a text from a player, hey, coach, I want to talk. And immediately you go to, oh, you know, where's this conversation going? But Michael would walk in my office and he wouldn't start with, I want more playing time. He would start with, what do I need to do to show you that I can get more playing time? And, and I would give him things. Hey, you need to get in the gym more. Well, guess who would be in the gym the next morning? Guess who would stay after practice? It was always Michael. And so whatever I threw at him, he accepted the challenge. And as a coach, those are the kids you love to coach. This is where talent's overrated, and it's more about character, attitude, the hunger inside a person to improve, and Michael really exhibited those things. And so now looking forward, you know, I'm pretty confident in Michael when he leaves this place that he's going to be a man of influence, and that's that paycheck we talk about. Uh, When when you cash one of those in, when a guy comes back five, ten years from now, and you can see the fruit of his life is producing uh, new life for other people, he's uh, benefiting his community. He's leading his family spiritually. You cash one of those paychecks in and you feel like one of the richest men in the world. That kind of takes us to some other
3: guys. I think of Tanner, you know, early in this season, we talked about some of the struggles early on from his bad play, but also to just him having to reorient how he thought about the game and about uh, playing I am third. But down the stretch, he was really one of the catalysts for our offense and what we were doing.
0: So Tanner challenged my uh, box first line mentality. There wasn't a box big enough at the time you know to, to, to there wasn't enough boundaries for Tanner and, and he's a he needs to be boundary uh, Let's just put it that way. But when he got on that line and he started moving forward, the trajectory that he shot our team forward with was amazing. and uh, another great example. and it's a good reminder for me because naturally I'm not line oriented. I'm, I'm box and that's where I want to go. And Tanner didn't fit that box and I was ready to move on. But to his credit, he stayed with us and man, he got us going.
3: And one of the, the fun things about Tanner and seeing his growth was so much of it started as spiritual in nature. As, as he really pursued God first, all of a sudden it spilled over and translated to how he was approaching the game and approaching his teammates.
0: Yeah. And that's the hallmark of our program. You know, When, when we talk about I am third, it's easy to to go to the second part and say, yeah, you just put other people second and you'll be good. Well, the reality is our pursuit of God motivates us to put other people before ourselves. When we, when we fall in love with the Lord, when when He's our true desire and our true hunger, then naturally we're bent to go help other people. And And Tanner was somebody who first committed Indiana Wesley not because he just wanted more playing time, but because he wanted to pursue the Lord and grow. And that's what we saw happen. You know,
3: Seth's another guy going into the year,
0: uh, I wasn't sure if he would be
3: able to carry the weight of expectations as a sophomore that we needed to be an elite team. Uh, but man, by the end of the year, he was playing at a level night in and night out practicing and, uh, every single day that, that maybe was beyond what my expectations for him would have been.
0: Yeah. We've talked about this in past um, seasons that the mark of a, the progression of a great players, hunger, habits, and humility well, Seth came in, he was kind of in the reverse order, had a lot of humility, didn't have the greatest habits, but it was a result of not having really a hunger to get better. Well, I can tell you now in the off season, Seth has just a tremendous appetite to become the best basketball player he can become, which means putting time in the weight room, which means getting to the gym, finding, finding uh, ways to discipline yourself. And now with Seth's hunger, it's created those habits and he's always been somebody who you know exhibits humility. I think some big seasons are ahead for Seth Maxwell. Let me just be not the first to say that, but I'll publicly say that. And talk a little bit about the,
3: the role of humility, unlocking new potential, because we've seen times in the past where a guy has all the hunger and all the habits in the world and he will strive for self-improvement. But if it's not directed at other people, it can almost be a limiting factor on how good he can become.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. Humility for us, as, as we've defined it and have learned out of Philippians 2, 1 through 11, where Jesus Christ, who uh, has all the power and sits of the authority of God himself, says he's emptied himself for the benefit of other people. So it's a very aggressive act. I mean, it's easy to think of humility as passive. As long as I don't highlight myself I'm being humble, well, that's not doing anything. you being humble and living in humility is taking what you have, whether that's your gift, whether that's your privilege, whether that's your power and enacting it on behalf of somebody else. Because if other people benefit from it, then you're being used to enact, could be justice, could be um, righteousness. It could be redemptive in some manner, but you're taking what you have for the benefit of others. And that's the reason why we're here on this earth. I heard someone say recently that that
3: humility was the defining characteristic of a christ life like and that leads us to the last guy we're going to talk about today is kyle because kyle from the day he's got here has exhibited humility uh and to see him break the record in the way that he did um i actually heard one of the players say recently kyle and i believe they said that down the stretch of that game was the first time he's ever thought i've got to get my points because he wanted to get that record so for him to be able to produce at the level he has statistically with that humility is
0: really remarkable yeah, and I guarantee Kyle was also fearful that we were going to stop the game and recognize him. He's guy, he wanted to break the record, but he wanted to move on and play. He didn't want to get, be stopped and recognized. And it's contagious and uh, you know, because he's setting that standard. So many other guys are leaning into that also. And, Coach, we're going to be talking
3: about some of the ways Unconscious came to life over the next few episodes – Uh, But before we get there, just want to hear one thing for you as a leader. As as you see a team take off and they're fully living into the I Am Third Life, they're becoming unconscious, living into the vision. How do you as a leader push that momentum forward and allow it to happen organically uh, and continue rather than maybe getting in the way of it or
0: saying something that might stall the momentum? Well, I think you have to realize that um, as a leader, your job's not always to have the answers, but maybe it's to find those that do and position those that do. And that does mean giving up, you know, possible power or possible, um, you know, just your authority, sharing that with somebody else. But once again, if you go back uh, to our job is to enact others, to give others opportunities to position them for success, then, then you're doing exactly what leaders should do. You may not get the recognition for it but at the same time, you're gonna see a lot of fruit that comes out of it within your team or your organization. On the next episode of The Pursuit,
4: you'll hear about the team's record-setting run in the conference tournament. In the first half, you'll hear about the team's focus on pursuing joy field aggression, and get insight from Cannon Coffey and Spencer Piercefield about the team's tournament run. In the second half, Coach Tonegal, Kyle Mangus, and Noah Smith will share about what it was like as the team played unconsciously down the stretch.
2: Thanks for listening to this episode of The Pursuit. If you were challenged to grow from this podcast, please rate or review us on your podcast platform or share with those you know as it helps multiply the impact. If you have a question you would like to ask iWoo Hoops on a future episode, hashtag ask Hoops or email jeff.clark at indwes.edu. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at IWU Hoops. Join us next time right here on The Pursuit. And remember, if you want to be first, first find a way to be third.